What a beautiful presence of the Lord this morning. Uh, how many of you believe that, that our part of giving to the Lord is we offer up praise to Him? See, sometimes we come to church and we're expecting, well, what's the show going to look like? You know, is it going to be good worship? Are they going to, you know, be swinging from the chandeliers? Is the preacher going to preach something that's not boring? And all those things are still questionable. They could be a boring service. We might swing from the chandeliers and do all kinds of amazing things. But one thing is really consistent, and that is that worship is to be about God. Worship's not about us, it's about God. And so we bring the sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And, and, and we come in, and as we lift our hands and we sing praise to Him and offer our prayers and offer our praise, that's, that's our part of the service to make sure that the host of the dinner is loved on. Could you imagine going to someone's house for dinner and not talking to them? Kind of like, yeah, you know, go, go, get the, go get the turkey, you know, and go get the cranberry and go get this. Well, how many of you know that in a, in a good relationship at the table, uh, everyone is a part of the conversation? And so as we praise the Lord, that's our part of the conversation to begin to uh, interact with the Lord. And the Bible says that when we do that, Psalm 22, verse 3, you are holy who inhabits the praises of Israel. The Lord inhabits our praises. And so all the groovy miracles and cool stuff that happens in the service happens because we've offered up a, a, a throne of praise. And so the Lord can, can uh, be invited by his own people to come to his own house. And so that's really, really cool. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about purpose. Purpose, purpose, purpose. You know, things are designed for a purpose. How many of you know that when your car is broken, it, it, you're mad at it? How many have ever gotten mad if your, your car wouldn't start? You know, I've driven some really questionable cars throughout my life. And I remember one time uh, that I had this old car and, and it wouldn't start. And, and my mom was with me, you know. And isn't it funny, you'll do things in front of your mom that you wouldn't do in front of another human. So I remember, you know, I'm, I'm like 19 or 20, and I just met, and I kicked the door of the car. How many of you know that's a sure way to fix it? <laughs> nah, let's try again. And so, so one of the things about a car, it's made for a purpose. Hopefully, it's more than a beater with a heater. How many have driven those? A beater with a heater? And, and, and I've even driven beaters that, that the heater didn't work. So that's a step down. And, and the purpose of the car is to get you from point A to point B with some form of relative comfort. And, and that's where, you know, uh, Kim and I have a, a 2001 BMW. And so it's old. So don't, don't get mad. It's not like we're like health wealth preachers because we drive a Beamer. It's 2001. Some of you people weren't even here then, okay. And so it's an old BMW, but the ride is so comfortable and it's so quiet when we're driving up uh, the freeway. We, a lot of times we won't turn the radio on. We're just conversing and everyone in the car can hear everyone else and, 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 and it's made to just hug the road and, and it's, it's actually a joy to drive it. And so I'm glad that some square-headed crowd like myself or like I used to be before I found out I wasn't, um, that over in Germany, they worked on making all this work together for a purpose. Then there's that other stuff, like stuff you get from Ikea. 
The instructions are like on that, on a, on a little tablet. You need a microscope to read them. If you're older, you know, you, have you ever gotten stuff and it says some assembly required, which means like you need an engineer's degree? And, and, and it's going to take you nearly a day to put it together. And, and then like when you get IKEA for, uh, furniture, um, they give you tools that, that no human in the, in the Western Hemisphere has ever seen. And, and you have to use that tool to, to pin it together and, and, and put it together. So you're looking at the tool and you're going, what is it? <laughs> what is this? And, and, and how does it work? And then worse yet, oops, I lost it. Where can I get another? Probably not at Ace Harbor, you know. So wait six weeks and you'll get another one or go to Ikea or something. But many times we don't know what the purpose of something is for. You know, like a guitar player, they pull out the capo and people look at it. What's that for? Well, you, there's a number of things you can do with the capo. You can put it on your child's nose to keep them from sneezing in church. But primarily that capo is there to squeeze the strings and give you a, a higher key if you so desire. So purpose, purpose, purpose. We live in a, in a world of uh, people who are being told that there's no purpose in their life. I'd like to take you back with me to Yad Vashem, and a, a point where I broke into tears. I went to Yad Vashem in, in, in uh, Jerusalem, which is the Holocaust Museum, and they had a chamber that was, uh, looks like the universe, and it was dark, and they had all these thousands of candles, and they would blink. And then you'd hear the name of a child, Itzhak Rabinsky, Krakow, you know, Rolf Schmendorf, Frankfurt. As they were talking about kids that were put to death and killed in the Holocaust. And I thought of my grandchildren and I was thinking specifically of my Riley and Natalie's little boy, Wesley, one years old. I think as believers, we know that every baby is born to have a purpose. And it tore me up to think of the brutality of the Nazi regime, to think of how man often views each other as trash. And we've had something that is nearly nearing 10 times the Holocaust in the U.S. We're over 50 million dead, shredded babies. People have said, why didn't the church make a noise back in 1973 when Roe versus Wade happened? And I want to tell you, I was there in 1973. The church did cry. The church has continually in this country cried, and we've been penalized, and we've been fined, and we've been jailed for protesting abortion. But let me just tell you where abortion comes from. Because let's say that you had an abortion. You're not going to get beat up here. But abortion is at the root of purposelessness 
It's to believe that this universe is random, that there was some Big Bang, and no one, no one who teaches the Big Bang will tell us where all the material for the Bang came from. If you're going to have firecrackers that can go off, you've got to have a manufacturer. Reference Joplin, Missouri, <laughs> right near Joplin on the Will Rogers Highway as you're coming from Oklahoma City up, up uh, crossing into Missouri or Missouri in that section, then you, 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 you see all these firecracker plants. And if one of those blast off, they don't just say, wow, that was weird, something random happened. They know that if there's a big bang, there's a, there's a big banger that created the material. And so the people that teach randomness and, and it's filling our colleges and our universities, it's, it's permeated our culture. How much so that, that since 1973, we're pushing 10 times the Holocaust and victims, and yet so many people in our country, oh well. It's so, it's so, so been decimated in its racist roots from Margaret Sanger, that the black population in the United States is one of the few that isn't growing at all. Because the whole eugenics is to sort out people you want to throw away. And there's a move. There is a strong move in America to end that purposelessness. We need to quit fighting <laughs> who's good, who's bad? White people, black people, can I tell you, we're all sinners and we're all beloved and every baby born, red and yellow, black and white, when God brings a baby to birth, God is saying there's a future. I'm not at all wanting to take this political. But we're in a political season, and, 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 and I want, want to tell you something. Before you go and vote, you better find out the platforms. What are the values of life in the party you're going to vote for? If a person has no value in life, I want to tell you something. They're not going to look out for you. They're not going to look out for your babies. And they're not going to look out for your grandchildren. I don't want anyone leading my life who just as soon throws away a, a, a viable baby. So here we are. Wondering about our own lives, we look in the mirror and we've, and, and, and for the last 60 years, there's been a strong dosage to make your life random. What was the purpose to make life random? Be the purpose was not necessarily to bring the destruction that we're currently in. The purpose of teaching this randomness was because if there was no God who had purpose in our life, then there's also no morality. And John Lennon sang the, the, the Humanist Manifesto very well in a song he wrote called Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven above, no hell below. Imagine all the people living as they can. You may think that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Why don't you come and join us and the world will be as one? 
If there's no heaven above us, no hell below us, and we don't acknowledge the creator that created us, then we don't acknowledge that the earth and the bang that made the, made the big bang, if the, if the planets came from the big bang, there's still got to be a big banger way out there. And so what I tell people is you and I both believe in the self-existent one. You say matter is self-existent, and I say no, Jehovah God, whose name, Le Eternal, Jehovah means I am, I exist. We both believe in Jehovah, but you think that dirt and earth and gases are Jehovah, and I believe he's a spiritual being who's creative and moral. And God, he himself being uncaused, caused all things to happen, and ergo the universe, and the same one who was ultra-scientific and could put all of these properties together to have a functioning universe is also keenly moral. And he says, hey, for my creation, I want you to acknowledge me as your father and as your dad. And I don't want you to ever look at anyone else and treat them as junk. I don't want you to look at your own babies, born or unborn, and say it's trash to be jettisoned from your body. I want to tell you something. Evangelism is easier when you meet people in our city and you do not rate them by if they've got too much money or too little money or they've, they're this color or that color or they don't speak English. All you have to know is if they can fog a mirror. And even those who are killed before they can, they're made by God to have a purpose. The Bible is full of hope. God didn't leave us in our mess. Genesis 1, the creation starts to happen. By Genesis 3, we're already screwing it up. And it takes till Revelation 22 to get it fixed. How many of you know we as children, we, we's problem childs? How many say, I am? I'm part of the problem. Thank you, Father. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. This message is you. This message is if I could hug you and I could sit you in a chair and we could talk. So many times when I talk to people, they tell me all that they don't have. You're not going to make money with what you don't have. You make money with what you do have. You have hope. You have dreams. You have life. You have vigor. You have the ability to pray. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the greatest God in all the universe. I want to hear about what you have because we can fill encyclopedias with what we're not. A, I'm not a girl. Until tonight, I will be for a while. And... I'm not tall. I'm not naturally gifted for basketball. I am naturally gifted for football. How many of you know that, that we, we live in such a negative world, we're always looking at what we aren't? Well, I know I'm not as good a Christian. Of course you're not. You suck. You have a great father. Enjoy. Put fun back into dysfunction. I'm chosen of God. God has a purpose for me. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Wow. A future without a hope is why so many kids, my heart breaks at the number of suicides. I can't imagine a 14-year-old kid. The other day we were, we were at the Ross Island Bridge and I told Kim, a very 
tragic story of my friend Mike and his, his brother Dino had, had fallen down an elevator shaft in Portland and, and, and Mike and Dino's dad was a builder and so his dad built Dino, it's beautiful uh, duplex and Dino was on this uh, uh, trust fund but he knew that he had been mentally impaired and one day, you know, and Mike and I would stay at Dino's condo and, and, uh, and, and, and we worked together at, uh, Mike and I worked at, at UPS and one day Dino in despondency jumped off the Ross Island Bridge, killed himself, ripped up my friend. Let me just say this, that my heart breaks when I hear about a 14-year-old kid, 15-year-old girl, going, oh God we got to be in the streets. we got to be telling people about the love of God. We've got to tell them that somebody lied to them at school. Somebody's lying to them in Congress. Somebody's lying to them because you were made with a purpose and don't worry about the earth. The earth is still recycling. The earth is still producing food and fruit. And this earth is only the practice earth because one day when the Lord comes, this earth and the universe will be dissolved with the bright, a brilliant heat, and then a new heaven and new earth is formed. Trust me, your daddy is not going to leave you on an earth that won't sustain you. And, there, and, and, and he knows the plan. And so all these people who the only purpose they're finding in life is to protest for global warming or climate change, they're missing the boat. They need to know their father. They need to find a purpose why they live. Because God's purpose and plan for you is to make sure that you fare well in this life, that you prosper in this life and have a good journey and it's not for God to pick on you. You have not been the person that, that bad things are supposed to happen to, even though you can have, have had a number of things that were, were negative. But that isn't God's purpose for you. His purpose is to give you a future and a, and a hope. The purpose that God has for you and for all of us is both unique and special, and it's not meant to be you bogarting it for yourself. Hey, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. No, what happens is it's kind of like the generous person. Hey, Lord, as you bless me and prosper me, you give me knowledge, I'll share the knowledge. You give me cash, I'll go into business with other guys. We'll make money together. How many of you know that, that it's fun when you're, when you're with generous people and, and you share everything you have? You know, hey, if you'll give me half your Milky Way, I'll give you, I'll give you like two-thirds of, of my Butterfinger because Kim's watching right now. And stuff like that. You know, you just share. You guys are a generous bunch of people. Yeah. I know you want to feel guilty about yourself. You're generous. That's, that's you, Fred. Fred and, and Tracy from their store. What, what, you gave us so many Doritos. It took us like almost a year and a half to eat them all up for youth camp and things. But I'm just talking about from stem to stern in this church. I find people care for one another, people are loving one another, because why? When you find your, your purpose, it's not just for you, it's to share with other, other people and, 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 and do good for them. We're going to take a look uh, real quickly at the life of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a tremendous prophet, and he got started really young. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10 from the New, New King James, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to me, it's Jeremiah speaking of himself, saying, 
Think about God saying this to you directly. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So every time a baby is aborted, which is why we don't encourage people to use the day after pill, that's an aborticide that kills a baby that's been conceived. Prevention before the, the connection of sperm and, 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 and egg, that's okay, but, but, but do not use an aborticide. Because if God knows someone before they're in the womb, then certainly when they're in the womb and, and, and those cells are multiplying, there's a human in process. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go up, go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Now, when you look at these uh, six verses or seven verses here, <laughs> a ton of them are therapy. They're therapy verses to tell somebody, no, 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 really, 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 I, I, I've got a great plan for you. Which is very interesting because many of us will hear from God a tremendous call of God in our lives. And then comes all of the argumentation in our minds. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm, I'm not hip enough. I'm not groovy enough. Uh, I don't have any support. I don't have any money. I don't. How many of you know we go to our non-inventory list? All that we don't have. Instead of saying, God is for me. Who can stand against me? He said he's going to protect me. He said he's going to put words. And Jeremiah got a heavy word. He said, I am setting you, this day I've set you over the nations <laughs> and over the kingdoms. Now, here's a young guy in his teens, and he's like, what? Am I supposed to be like Joseph number two? I'm, Joseph was over Egypt, and I'm over nations. Well, Jeremiah never saw that in the natural realm, but he, he disrupted nations through his prophecies. His prophecies happened exactly. Powerful. Now, there are some, some principles that I, I saw in, in this portion of Scripture. Number one, we are known before our birth. Now, if you were to take me on hermeneutically, you could say, well... Um, you're, you're taking a context of God speaking to one guy. So how do you justify saying that we all have, uh, that we're all known before our birth from a lot of other scriptures that say similar things? So for the, the sake of any critical scholar, I just, uh, I just uh, offer my defense by saying Psalm 139, where David goes into how he was fearfully and wonderfully made and that God has known his uprising, his down sittings, is also okay, is also uh, a, a defense of this position. And then secondly, the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world, and that is that, that Jesus was de determined to be sacrificed before any of matter was created. And so we see that God knows 
uh, pre-knows those who are going to enter into this world. He knows the good, the bad, and the evil. But for his people, he knows this for a positive plan. And incidentally, I believe for every human, there was a God plan and a demonic alternate plan. So that's why we have to choose the God plan in our life. Okay, so number one, we are known before our birth. Number two, we are sanctified for a holy purpose. The Lord doesn't pick out people and say, you know, just for the heck of it, I'm going to elect uh, somebody to be my toilet bowl. No, the Bible tells us, uh, Paul said that in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. The vessels of dishonor would be the toilet bowls and the other uh, bowls that are used for, for ignominious uh, reasons. And, and he says, if you'll cleanse yourself from the latter, you can be the former. In other words, if you, if you quit hanging with the toilet bowl people and thinking toilet bowl thoughts, you can be a vessel that's used for holy use. And that's what sanctification is. Sanctification is God coming in our life, cleaning us and separating us for holy use. We have to, we have to run into uh, sanctification. A lot of people think it's automatic. The Lord knows where I am. If he wants me to speak in tongues, he'll make me speak in tongues. If he wants me to be holy, he'll have to make me holy. If he wants me mature, he'll have to make me mature. Uh-uh, wrong. Let's try again. The marriage supper of the Lamb is prepared, and his bride has made herself ready. Okay, everyone that has the hope of the coming of the Lord purifies himself. There is this incremental step in and take that sanctification. I'm here, Lord. I'm your guy or I'm your girl. I don't say both. I'm just doing it for illustration. (laughs) I'm your person. I'm here, God, today, this morning. I'm here, Lord, to be sanctified and separated for holy use. Because that's what taking up your cross every day is. It's not getting crucified every day. It's going in and saying, Lord, I, I, I live in hostile territory. I'm a stranger in a foreign land. Heaven is my home. This is my sojourn on earth. And I need your help. I need you to cleanse me and separate me for holy use. And that's what God said to, to Jeremiah, that he was sanctified. Number three, it takes courage to step into that purpose. It takes courage. That's what Jeremiah was facing. He goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I'm youth. God said, shut up the youth talk. You think of what he said. He said, do not say you're youth. Well, what am I supposed to say? I'm an old dude now? Now I'm 17? I'm old? No, no. He's just saying, shut up the young talk. Because you may be young, but you're bad. You, you're going to nail people. You're going you're gonna to pluck up and, and then replant. You're, I'm using you to, to rip up this whole society. And when you see through the book of Jeremiah, man, he was laying it on. He is before the kings. They threw him in a pit where he sunk to his arms in, in mire, and they were going to let him starve there. And someone appealed, and they had to throw, uh, they had to throw rope down with, with, with cloth so he wouldn't just rip his arms and destroy himself. I'm telling you, that kid did what the Lord said. He got bold. One dude was prophesying. He got fearful. He ran to another nation. They sent spies, and they killed the guy there. Jeremiah stayed in his place, and he survived everything that went on. 
He heard the word of the Lord. He found his purpose in God. It takes courage to step into the, to the purpose. Then number four, God will protect you and support you in order to accomplish that purpose. What, where God guides, God provides. This morning I was sharing how, how uh, I didn't have faith to buy this building. And, and so uh, the, the, there was a, a pastor that was pursuing me to, to, to buy uh, a little church across from McLaughlin uh, Junior High, and, and that's what I had faith for. And, and, one, and one day in, in, in prayer, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to buy the property on Table Rock. And, and if you go get the other one, I'll bless you, but you won't know the totality of what I'm going to want to do for you. And so I said, okay, Dad, <laughs> you talk that trumps, that trumps my, uh, my fears. And, and so what happened was we didn't even have money. I, I, I got a, a little promissory note and filled it out for, for $5,000. We didn't even have 5000 to cover it. So we started buying this building on the threat of money. And so all of a sudden, the attorney tells us, said, uh, oh, the, 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 the board from the previous church committed to sell this to the Jehovah's Witnesses for cash, the very same offer we'd made. So that meant someone on the board gave our offer. And, and the JW said, no, no, it's not going to be creative like that fearful kid offered. Because uh, I was doing creative financing all the way just trying to follow the, the plan of the Lord. And they offered cash. And so it was like in June. And, and, and so the, the, the attorney, Doug Cushing, that was handling it, he told me, Steve, he said, we have a deal. And this is really sure. The Jehovah's Witnesses want to make that building uh, a regional center for the Jehovah's Witnesses churches. And, uh, and so I thought, oh, okay, I'm off the hook. I drive away. I'm off the hook. You just wanted to do an Isaac thing, see if I was willing in the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not doing no Isaac thing. He said, I, he said, I'm going to throw, this is my, my vernacular to describe what I felt. I'm going to throw the JWs off the train. The closing date was to be the, the first business day after Labor Day. So this is like June. The Holy Spirit said, go tell your elders what I told you, and then I want you to go get a hold of Arby and Bobby, two pastors, and let them bid on the building that you want. In other words, burn your ship. I came and told the elders, I said, God said he's going to give us the, the church on Table Rock Road. He's going to throw the, the JWs off the train. And he told me to have Bobby and Arby, and then, and then Arby bought the building. And so here we are. We're standing on the word of the Lord. The day after, after uh, Labor Day, I call in, and, and Doug said, hey, Steve, something really strange happened. He said about three weeks ago, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses withdrew their offer found out later that different churches in this community had, were praying and interceding. But I want to tell you something. Where God guides, God provides. How many have been to Joy one or more times? We're really here. We're really here. And we've been here. We, our first Sunday we're here. Natalie was born that weekend or that midweek, and we were back. Kim playing the piano on the one Sunday, playing it on the next Sunday. We're here. I want to just tell you, don't you freak out. Well, if I follow God, it's going to be a screwed up mess. You follow you, and it could be. You follow yourself, and it could be a screwed up mess. You follow God, and where He guides, He provides. That's why I went into a little bit of the detail of the story. 
God will protect you. He'll defend you. Number five, God knows exactly what he intends to accomplish through you. And number six, are you willing? Are you willing to get on the great adventure? I'm, I want to tell you something. I had a couple of friends that said they wanted to help me plant church, the church. One of them ended up telling me, he said, I, I couldn't make a living in Oregon. He got distracted by stupidity, ended up getting convicted for sexual crime, house arrest for six months, didn't, le didn't learn, went out, cheated on his wife again, lost his marriage. I think I'd have rather starved in Oregon than get destroyed in Sacramento. Not because Sacramento in and of itself, Sacramento's got great Christian community. Another friend from the same area. Uh, no, 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 I, I just, I'm afraid. I don't think I could make money and this and that. And so I'm staying in Sacramento area. We buried him about four years ago with cancer. He never lived the dream. I want to tell you something. I have been terrified much of my life. And I, I want to describe it, and I'll, I'll, and I'll cut this short, a little bit shorter. Rick Godwin, who's a, a, a teacher that I really love, he said this. He said, uh, the Christian life, if you read the Bible, is super risky. Christianity has been made to be, well, take the safe bet. That's not the Christian view. Go into the midst of wolves and lions and be light in the darkness. And I'm going to protect you. And Rick said this. He said, some people, they go, they approach their, their grave, and it's just a swamper. <sighs> You did nothing. You dared nothing. He said, he said, I was from the military. He said, I want my life to be like somebody scooting in, just full bent, slides in there in the gate of heaven and says, wasn't it a ride? Did you catch what I was saying? Woo! Pedal to the metal! Get it on. Get the purpose of God on in your life. Wake up. Shake up. Get on the dream team. Do the dream. Well, we need people that hate kids to go up and serve the children's ministry. No. Don't. You people, don't, don't, don't go there. We don't need you. We want people like Tersef that he lives for Sunday. He wants to go teach children. I want preachers to preach. The, the, the data people, media people, the geekers to geek. And the, the teachers to teach. The givers to give. The livers to live. The worshipers to play. The singers to sing. Come on now. I feel like it's time to quit. And I'm ready to get started. We got to mix it up, guys. We got to say the Lord, he called me with a purpose before mama and daddy knew I was coming. But I'm here, and I'm loud, and I'm proud, and I'm going to get this thing on because I'm going to live my life for the purpose of God, and I'm going to roll into heaven going, whoo, what a ride. Let me finish up. 
We'll never be truly satisfied until we discover the purpose God has for our lives. Our purpose will make our hearts sing. My heart breaks for people that never hear the song. Too afraid. I mean, I love Peter. Man, he's out of the boat. Me, I'm clinging to the boat going, Peter, I'll be here in case something goes wrong. And Pete, like, yeah, bid me come. They thought it was a ghost. Casper could invite you to come. What makes your heart sing? Number two, your purpose is never just about you. It's always about others. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to uh, make a difference. Referencing Romans chapter 12, verses 3, 3 through 8, it gives us the differentiation of what we call motivational gifts. Gift of giving, gift of prophecy, gift of uh, service, gift of teaching, gift of exhortation, gift of contribution, and gift of leadership. And then the, the gift of mercy. How many of you know we need to find our, our motivational gifts and get into it? Takeaways. Number one, you and I need to seek God for supernatural confirmation. Really, really, really get your vision quest. Know what God is calling you to do. I, I, I have a friend that his daddy wanted to be a preacher. And so he preached, and he just killed people for a couple, about 20 years. He, 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 he was as boring as could be. There wasn't much fruit. The, the church was static because my good buddy was really called to do business, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't confirm it and just do it. When he let go of the church, the church is flourishing now, and, and he's doing business, and, 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 and he's found his dream. We need to be free with our children and just say, I want to know what your call is. I don't need to, to, to dictate it. Well, my dream for you is to be a football player, Gino. So, you know, Gino played football and he was good, but that wasn't the dream that God had for him. And so we find out the call. Get the supernatural confirmation. Then look at the natural gifting, too. People around you will help you find guidance. God may be wanting you to build spiritual things by using natural gifting. He just made you good at certain things that really bring joy and goodness to God's house and to the world around you, the people that are in your world. Third thing is take growth track where we can help you in this process. We do personality and giftings questionnaires. I know Marianne and, and Rodney, are, uh, they've been really uh, front center on, 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 on helping people to take those questionnaires. Sometimes to find out just your personality. Maybe you've been trying to push rope and all of a sudden you find your fruitfulness is knowing what God called you to do. And, and then also in, in Growth Track, we can help you find your spiritual calls and giftings. And when you put those together, it makes a very joyful existence. Dream Team is every one of us functioning in our gifting and purpose area. This is growing in joy. We're no longer trying to just fill positions. We're trying to connect the need with the person with the call. How many of you know it helps? And finally, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
week after week, people come into God's house and they've been told that they're worthless. What they do in their body doesn't make any difference, and yet something inside longs for God. Something inside still yearns and says, there's got to be more than just what I can do with my body and what I can eat and what I can heap up for myself. There's got to be a reason that I was put on the earth. And I want to tell you the number one that moves me every week is you are made to know your daddy. You are made to know the God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. The one that said, I would rather die than live without you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So to find your purpose, you need to find your purpose, first of all, as a child. You're a child of God. You're meant to be a child of God. Today's a good day to come home. What we do is we're going to bow our heads. We're going to just close our eyes. And if you want to join God, just raise your hand. Say, I want to join God because he's done everything he could do to join you. He's paid for the sins of the world. He just wants people to say, I need God. Can't do it on my own. And call out to him and he'll save you. Could we bow our heads and close our eyes? I want every one of you that came into this place and you're saying, I need God. Could you just raise your hand right now? I see a hand in the back. Raise your hand if you're here and you say, hey, today's that day. I want God. I need God. I want to join God. I see other hand. Come on now, be bold. I think there's a number of individuals. You came here. Maybe you're strung out on a number of things. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be just life. It could be bad relationships. There's a lot of things to get completely just embedded in. But if you're here and you say, I want God, raise your hand. We want to just pray with you. Hallelujah. We're going to pray real quickly. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I thank you that you loved me. You've saved me. You have called me out of darkness to be a child of light. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. Save me now, O oh God. You also said if I call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away my shame, I pray. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen.